I am so thankful that you guys came to worship with us this morning. Uh, my name is Maddie, and I'm one of the pastors here at Radiant Church. If it's your first time, welcome. We're a church that loves Jesus, and we're a church that loves each other, and we're a church that loves this community and finds that, and thinks that Des Moines is a really big deal. If you want to, there's a connect card in the seat pocket in front of you. If you want to fill that out, just a way for us to learn your name and get to know you. I'd love to learn your name, your story, where you came from, take you out to coffee if you got time. I really enjoy that, so that's there for you. We're going to dive in this morning. As that video was talking about, we are uh, starting a new series today called At the Core. At the Core. And it's going to be a series all about our new core values, which we introduced last year. They're over here on the wall. It's go, live, love, and multiply. And this is what Radiant Church is all about, going. We are the sent people of God, is what we're going to be talking about today. Pastor Jason asked a question last week, and in the room, I heard lots of audible, like, oofs, and mm, when he asked this question. And I think it moved a lot of us, and I wasn't necessarily surprised when I heard this, because when Pastor Ben and Jason and I were talking about this over coffee a few weeks ago, we were doing the same thing. Mm, that's crazy. The question was this. It was, if Radiant closed its doors today, if we disappeared off the face of the planet, would this community miss us? Would this community know that we were gone? And as I heard that question for the first time, and then again last week, my mind began racing and racing and thinking about all of the people that we come to, into contact with in this community every day, or at least on Sunday mornings. Would they miss us? Would they know that we are gone? And let me just say this, God has worked in some incredible ways in this past year. This isn't to say that we haven't done anything and that we haven't moved when God has asked us to move because we had some awesome moments last year. If you haven't been here in a few weeks, we've been talking about a few of them, and I'll, I'll talk about them this morning. We were able to join the Pantry Partner Program at Caring Hands. If you look on the back of your worship guide, you'll see what that's all about. We were able to raise over $11,000 for Jericho Outreach Ministries. Yeah, you can clap for that. that was, I still think that's crazy. That was awesome. We were able to hand out 200 backpacks alongside free haircuts to kids in the public school system. We were able to sponsor eight separate families for Christmas, foster families, excuse me, eight separate foster families for Christmas this past year. And here's a number we haven't mentioned yet. On Christmas Eve, in our short 55-minute long service, we were able to raise over $1,000 for family, out, uh, family Care Haiti. It was awesome. Praise God for that. So when we talk about this morning, would the community know that we were gone? I'm not saying that we haven't said yes to God in this past year because he ha we have and he has worked, amen? But my question is, what else can we do? As we've talked about before, Jesus' kingdom, a relationship with God, has never, ever, ever, ever once been about settling. There is more work to be done. So my mind is racing when I'm thinking about would this community miss us? Would they know we were gone? And I'm thinking about people in our community that we come into contact every week or every day or at least on Sunday mornings. I see you walk in with your Casey's and your Quick Star coffee cups down from the gas stations on the corner. Would those clerks that you see every Sunday morning miss us if we were gone? What about those apartments back behind McDonald's? If Radiant closed our doors and we disappeared, would they know that we were gone? What about our neighbors at CrossFit? 
I see them running all the time. We're doing more than I'm doing. <laughs> Would they know that we were gone? How about the Pleasant Hill City Council? Or our first responders, our fire department, our police department here in Pleasant Hill? Would they know that we were gone? Because while we've been able to be a part of some incredible work this past year, there is plenty more to be done. So the question I want to ask you this morning is what breaks your heart for this community? What is that thing that sits in your heart that says, I got to get up and do something about this? I got to make a move. What is that thing that God lays on your heart that breaks your heart for our community? Just a couple things that I've been thinking of lately, and I could keep you here till four reading lists of ways that we could help our community, but just a couple things that pop into my mind. Do you know that there's a child care crisis going on right now? All across America, but in Iowa specifically, the stats according to time in Iowa alone from 2016 to 2021, over 28% of child care businesses closed. According to state data, Iowa has more than 350,000 more kids under the age of 12 than available child care spots. 350,000. Did you know, according to Boston University, that over 10 million Americans struggle with seasonal depression? Have you lived through an Iowa winter? It's rough out here, okay? Do we know how many of those people are walking around us in our community every single day? Do we know the effect that it's having on them? What about the need for foster care in our community? Did you know that in Iowa alone, for every 1,000 kids, it's average that 8.2 of them are in the foster system? That's higher than the national average, which is 5.5 kids for every 1,000 kids. In 2016, Iowa ranked sixth in our nation for need for foster care, according to the Gazette and other, store, uh, other sources. Sixth in the nation. And that number of children in the foster system grows nearly daily. I could go on and I could dive in. And like I said, I could keep you here until four. We could talk about the drug crisis that's going on in our small towns. We could talk about the fact that food is flying off the shelves in food pantries. We can talk about the fact that in just since 2020, over 570,000 teachers across the nation have left the school systems. We could talk all day about what needs to be done because there is more work to be done. Can we do more? What kind of voice can Radiant Church have in these conversations if our doors were closed? Would people know? Like that video said, we are the sent people of God. We have a mission. What breaks your heart for our community? We're going to do something a little different this morning. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to stand. And some of you, this might make you a little uncomfortable. Respectfully, I don't really apologize. <laughs> I'm just glad you're here, and I'm glad that we can walk through this together. So this is what we're going to do. I want you to close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Take a big, deep breath. In and out. I want you to do that one more time. In and out. Here's what we're going to do this morning. You need to open your eyes real quick, okay? And then close them. I want you to put your hands in the air like you're taking your hands off a steering wheel. Put your hands up in the air. And for the next 20 seconds or so, this is a position of release. 
This is a prayerful, worshipful position of release. And as we dive into this topic today of what breaks our heart for the community and the fact that we are the sent people of God, this is a moment for you and the Lord who longs to hear from you. To say, God, I release my bias. I release my preferences. I release my opinions. I release my comfortability. I release my busy schedule. I release it to you this morning, Jesus. Take like the next 10, 15 seconds. Just talk to the Lord. We take our hands off the steering wheel. You're driving, Jesus. I'd like you to take another deep breath in and out. One more time in. And out. Now I'd like you to move your hands so you can open up a second to a receiving position. God, what do you have for us? Jesus, we want to be so empty of ourselves. We want to be so out of the way so you can move in ways that only you can move, Jesus. This is a receiving position. This is a way that we position our bodies, not only our bodies, but our minds and our souls to receive what it is God has for us. Who do you need to bless? What breaks your heart for this community? We receive what it is you have for us. We receive it. Take these next 15 seconds. On your own. If you feel comfortable, I would love it if you would stay in this position of worship. Hands up. Maybe you have a background where you're not used to moving in worship. Maybe you have a background where this makes you uncomfortable. I encourage you to step out of your comfort zone today. Keep a position of worship, ready to receive whatever he has for us. Because it's better than anything we could ever imagine. It's better. Good morning, Radiant Church. Anybody glad to be here today? Amen. Well, welcome. We're so glad you're here. I'm going to take a special moment to welcome all of those who are online as well. There's a good number of people who have gone to warmer places and they did not take their pastor. I'm not bitter at all about that, uh, but uh, we took your spots uh, on that. But I'm glad that you're here, and I'm so uh, so thrilled to jump into this new series as we're talking about uh, our new core values, and we go into this next year. God's been at work doing mighty things. And I'm excited to see what he's up to this coming year. Let's talk about a few churches. A church in Illinois. And over time, as happens with churches, they got a little bit older. You know what I mean? A little more gray-haired uh, as they went along the way. And uh, 
they were uncomfortable with that, and so they decided, you know what, we need to get to know our community. We need to understand the people around us and dive in. And so as they learned more about their community, they were surprised to find something out. They found out that they had a large population, more than average, of single moms in the area. And the church decided, hey, let's do something about that. And so they began to meet with those moms, invite them to events. Uh, they began to provide them with ways to help and to disciple them and just do life together. Over time, those moms, many of them came to the church and were a part of the church. And you know what came with them? The kids came with them. And so this church that was beginning to age out suddenly had this vibrant youth and kids ministry and what they were doing because they took a moment to find out the needs of their community. Or the community in Arizona that, that was a rural town, largely blue-collar town, but as happens when you're around a large city, urban sprawl and the growth of the city kind of just devoured their town over time. And what was once a sleepy rural town was now a vibrant suburb of the city, but it changed the demographics too. As it grew, less and less was it blue-collar, it became white-collar professionals living in the area, raising families, and, and the church realized things were changing, so they too kind of looked out and said, how can we engage these new realities? What do we need to know about our community? And as they dug in to find some things out about their community, they saw something unusual because particularly there was a large medical community in their area. Nearly 30% of the people uh, who were in the community could not go to church on Sunday. And so they decided, you know what, we need to start something on Thursday night. And, and it was very simple. It wasn't special. It was, it was one pastor, one acoustic guitar, and it was family style in the room. But what started with a handful of people after a year was 60 to 70 people meeting faithfully every Thursday night. If you've been keeping up with the news, you could see something just in the last two weeks as a husband and wife pastoral team in the Buffalo area. When the storm came, they opened up their church for people who could not escape the storm, whose electricity was out, didn't have heat, whatever it may be. They helped over 150 people and probably saved some lives. What does it mean for us as a church to be a blessing in our community. We've said that many times. You, you've probably heard me say that. You've heard other pastors say it here in the church. You know, we want to be a blessing in our community. And when we say it, most of you nod our heads. Most people aren't sitting there going, no, I just want to be the scourge of the community. Uh, you know, most of them are like, no, being a blessing in the community sounds right. That, that seems like a good thing. But let me ask, do we know what it means? When we say we want to be a blessing in the community, what does it mean to be a blessing in the community? And before we dive into that, I, I'll just go ahead and say it. I believe it's different for different churches and different neighborhoods, different places. It's not one formula. It's not one size fits all. It, it, it's based upon, like many of the churches I just told you there, you have to learn about your community. You have to learn about the people. You have to identify the needs. What does it mean to be a blessing? Well, last week we talked about always wanting to move from the head to the heart to the hand. So let's just... Start with the headpiece that says, what does blessing mean? It's a word we use in church, but do we understand what the word blessing means? If you have your fill-ins today, or if you're new with us, we often put little notes on the back. We find that when we write things down, we remember them more, and the goal of that also is for you to have something to go later in the week and prayerfully say, Lord, what else do you want to teach me? What, what do I need to remember? Uh, and just to continue the conversation throughout the week. But as you go there, it's our first fill in for the day. What's a blessing? At the core, a blessing is God's protection. 
That's what it is. When you bless someone or you are blessed, that's God's protection. And so to be a blessing means that we help serve others, but we also protect them. That's at the core of our understanding of what a blessing is. Now to dive further into the meaning of it, we've talked about this before. One of the study methods you use when reading the Bible, when you want to understand what a word means, one of them is called the rabbi's rule of first mention. And what that means is this. Ancient rabbis should tell you, if you want to know what a word means, go to the first place that it's mentioned in the Bible, dive into that story to understand what it means, and you will discover what the meaning of the word is. And so if we want to learn what the word blessing is, the first place that it's mentioned in scripture is in Genesis chapter 12. And you're familiar with the character in Genesis chapter 12. His name is Abram. You'll know him later as Abraham. In fact, the three largest religions in the world all share Abraham as a founding person in it, whether that's Muslim or the Jewish faith or Christianity. They all share Abraham at the core on that. So let's discover what is then the first mention of blessing because we want to be a blessing in the world around us. So Genesis chapter 12, when we look at that, starting in verses 1 through 3, it says, The Lord said to Abram, now first I'll stop right there. Most of you know him as Abraham. It would be about five more chapters before his name would be changed to Abraham when God establishes a covenant with him. But at this point, his name's still Abram. So the Lord said to Abram, go, which is one of our first core values, that's go, from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land, I will show you. And one of the things you discover is throughout scripture, God challenges people to go. But when he challenges them to go, it often comes with the understanding that he's going to take you out of your comfort zone. He's going to remove your status quo, and he's going to invade your normal. He's going to move you into an uncomfortable spot to take a step of faith with him. But throughout the Bible, knit throughout, is this idea of we are to go. What does he say to him? He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will, here's the first time, bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What an amazing statement to say. Wouldn't you love God to say that to you? The nations of the earth would be blessed because of you. So we're going to spend the next few weeks walking through our core values. Go live, uh, love, and multiply, as you see right there. The first one is go. And God is telling Abraham, leave your comfort zone. I'm invading your status quo. You have to pick things up, and you have to go. And, and understand that sometimes when God comes, he's going to challenge you to step out of your comfort zone He's going to challenge you to go because what we understand to core of go is this idea that we are the sent people of God. We have all been sent. Jesus told us that in John chapter 20 says, as the father sent me, I am sending you. So core to this idea of who we are as disciples of Jesus Christ is this idea that we have been sent, that God uniquely gifts people. He calls those people. And that he sends them. And what you have to remember as a disciple of Jesus Christ is that every single one of you in this room has a mission field. It just might be right outside your back door. It might be your neighborhood, your workplace, school. 
Not everybody he calls is he going to send to the furthest regions of Africa or other places. Sometimes your mission field is that sphere of influence immediately around you. And God may call you to step out of your normal and your status quo to engage those people who are around you because we are called to live sent. So the question really is we all have to wrestle with, are you willing to go wherever God sends you? That's the question we all have to wrestle with, isn't it? Are you willing to go wherever God sends you? Because we're called to be a blessing. But this highlights one big understanding about being a blessing we need to dive into. And I loved what a, a, a rabbi had to say, uh, Rabbi Hanan Schlesinger. He, he said this, he said, blessings are not meant to flow into us, rather they're meant to flow through us. What does he mean by that? He means at the core of our understanding is that God blesses us, not for us to selfishly hang on to the blessing, not to hide it. Core to our understanding of being a blessing in the world is this idea, you have been blessed to bless others. That the blessings you have been given aren't meant to be hidden or hoarded. You are meant to take those blessings and bless others. We are blessed to be a blessing. And another question then we all have to wrestle with, and this one's truly a little bit of a punch in the gut because it was for me when I read it. Is the world a better place today because of me? How's that for a difficult question to wrestle with? Is the world today a better place because of me? Am I a contributing member of my community, and has my existence added anything to the blessings in the world? Or have I been simply absorbing those blessings and keeping them for myself? Which, come on, if we're being honest, there's a word for that. It's called selfishness, right? We're called to be a blessing. And because we're called to be a blessing, there's a, a second thing we need to know about blessings, maybe even a warning, we might call it that. And that's this idea. We cannot deny blessings to others. We cannot deny it to people we don't like. We can't deny it to people that aren't like us. And this crosses all sorts of lines that we need to be aware of. We're not allowed to, to judge based upon socioeconomic status. We're not allowed to judge on the color of the skin. We're not allowed to judge because of the gender, we're not allowed to judge because of sexuality. We are called to be a blessing. And at the core, we are to be reminded by Jesus constantly, you are to love your enemies. Jesus told us that. That includes those who may not be like you, and especially those you may not like. We're not allowed to discriminate with blessings. Freely they have been given. Freely we are called to give. Why? Because to be a blessing is to follow Jesus' example, to be compassionate and loving to others, to help them, to serve them. And in that example, people see this Jesus Christ through our life lived out, and they see the love in action to the world around them. When people see you and how you live, and how you engage others, especially those you don't like. Do they see Jesus? 
or do they see something else? This little light of mine, is it shining? There's three primary components you're going to need if you want to be a blessing to the community. We'll go through these pretty quickly and then break them down. The first one is thankfulness. Second one is this, generosity. And the third one is this, compassion. We'll call it love. Each of these is a part of living a godly life, and we are all ca called to put on the godly life and to live it out in the world around us. Do you start your day, however, with a grateful heart? Are you a thankful person? Do you start the day thanking God for his provisions and what he's given us? Or, or can we be honest, do you start it grumbling? Is your heart in the right place? Are you a thankful person? Because what we learn about people that have genuine thankfulness with the Lord is what we see here. It results in a spirit of generosity. It's out of that outpouring of thankfulness we realize that much we've been given, so therefore much we should give. That we serve a giving God. How much of a giving God is he? We all know the verse, for God so loved the world, he what? gave and what we learn very quickly from scripture is something you'll hear in dashboard indicators quite a bit you cannot outgive God out of the heart of thankfulness comes a spirit of generosity and from that spirit of generosity comes the eyes of compassion and love that we need to be a blessing and so you've got to wrestle with that. Are you a thankful person? Are you, do you have a generous heart, the heart of God? And do you see the world as Jesus sees it? Loving, caring, compassionate. But here's the point. Take nothing away. Please take this. For Radiant to become a blessing in their community, it starts by you becoming a blessing to others. It starts with you. I often like to think in the big, but you know what? Being a blessing in our community starts with you being a blessing and choosing to be a blessing every single day of your life. And you say, well, what are some ways? Because, you know, we always like the big acts. We love the big events. We're looking for the big. But sometimes being a blessing is in the little things you do every single day. Do you greet people with a smile or a hug? Oh, and I know, I've heard plenty say, I don't hug, I'm not a hugger. All right, well, good for you. Uh, you know what I mean? Get back to that grumpy question again. Do you meet people with a smile or a hug? Are you alert to being a helping hand? This is the key to being a blessing, by the way. Hear me on this. This is the key. Do you have eyes to see? Are you aware when you move from place to place throughout your day, are you asking the question, how can I be a blessing in this next room, this next conversation, or this next person I can meet? Do you have the awareness of needing to be a blessing? Try that for a week. Walk into every room, every place, and ask, how can I be a blessing here? Here's a third way. Offer to help before ask to help. 
That's a great way to be a blessing to someone else. And it comes with those eyes of awareness. If you see something, step into it. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Anybody can walk in a room and pick out five things that need to change. It takes a leader to identify solutions and be a part of the solution. Show hospitality to the lonely. Loneliness levels are at the highest it's ever been, and this time of year they only get worse. How about those single moms that that church identified that needed help? How about the singles that are out there? It can be very lonely to be a single these days. Do you know anybody in your life who's living alone? Maybe this week you can pick up the phone, text, do whatever you need to do to contact them. Maybe you can invite them over for dinner or go get some coffee. Maybe you can take that step to be a blessing in their life. What about teaching or discipling others or providing godly counsel? Or more importantly, just a real simple one. How about encouraging someone with a kind word? We talked last week that our words have the power of life or what? Death. This next conversation you're about to have someone, are you speaking life or death into them? Choose an encouraging word. And these are just a few, but again, they're the key to it is awareness. Do you have those eyes to see in the world? Because life is noisy, there's lots of chaos, there's lots of distractions. It takes intentionality for you to look into your world around you and say, where are those opportunities that I can be a blessing in it? You say, why? What's the big deal? Well, here's the big deal. We go back to that set of verses in Genesis chapter 12. I'd love to take one word in there and scratch it out and put another word in there. And, you know, for all my Pharisees out there, this is okay. I'm not going to hell. Uh, Breathe into your paper bag. You'll be okay. You know what I mean? I just want to replace one word, if I could, and that's take nation out when God was talking to uh, Abraham and instead put in church. What would happen if God said this to our church? What if he said to us, I will make you into a great church. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing and all the peoples will be blessed through you. Would you want God to say that to you? Wouldn't you want him to say that about our church? All the people will be blessed because of you. That's what it means to be a blessing in our community. And so you have to ask yourself a couple simple questions. How will you be a blessing today? And maybe wrestle with who do you need to bless in this coming week? I believe the Lord will put somebody on your mind and on your heart. Who do you need to bless this week? Because I love the verse that comes right after this verse. It's a simple verse, but in Genesis 12, 4, it simply says this. So Abraham went. Three simple words full of an enormous step of obedience. So this person that God puts on your heart, or this lonely person you know you need to contact, or this thing you've seen that you know you need to step in in order to be a blessing and be a part of the solution. 
So Abram went. You are called to go because you are the sent people of God. And at our core as a church, we want to be a blessing in the community. And so I'll ask one last time, where is God sending you? Let's pray.